Hey everybody, welcome back to Beers and Careers. I'm your host, Mark Agostinelli, and as always, Beers and Careers is brought to you by the Davis Companies. www.davisco's.com, that's D-A-V-I-S-C-O-S.com. Davis specializes in staffing uh, all sorts of roles, really, but really with a focus on engineering, IT, and manufacturing. Uh, check them out. Uh, today's guest was, it was an awesome conversation. Uh, talked to someone by the name of Nicholas Hutchinson. I think he's on the watch list. I think, uh, he's, his trajectory is looking really solid. Um, he started a company called book thinkers as a side hustle. And we talked about the place where it has gotten to today. Um, we talked a lot about advice for recent college grads or folks trying to figure out what they want to do in life and a lot about self-discipline and, and some uh, ways to work on yourself uh, deliberately. So um, without further ado, uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation. I know I did. All right, Nick, let's roll, yes. man. Well, first off, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. Much appreciated. Um, do you by any chance have a drink with you or are you, are you ready to go? Look at that. All right. Love it. Sam Adams, Boston Lager, it looks like. Yep. Very nice. Exactly. And what are you drinking? I I'm I must say a uh, ton of lack of preparation, but in our office fridge here <laughs> we had some white claws. So like, <laughs> well, cheers. Yeah, cheers to you. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. So uh, usually we start the podcast. There's just some quick rapid fire questions just to get people going, help know you. Um, what is your favorite cocktail or drink if you have one? Well, uh, it's a good question. I have a lot of favorites, and it's always sort of transition depending on where I am and who I'm with. But a good rum and coke back okay. in the day used to be my favorite, and so I was always a rum and coke guy through college. And Sam Adams Boston Lager is my favorite beer, so that's okay. what I brought. And that's why I brought that on today. I love it. I love it. It's it's too funny to hear you say it. We just had a guy uh, on last week. Rum and coke was his too. Yeah, like, yeah, can't can't beat it. Can't beat it, especially if you're in the uh, islands as well, you know. And I love the islands. Okay, okay, yes. which I I, I got to go there. Where? Well, I love traveling internationally, and so I have spent a lot of time in Central and South America in the last couple of years. But the okay. most recent island I went to was Aruba. Okay. And so yeah. in Aruba, I'm definitely a rum and coke guy. All right, I love it. I love it. Um, do you have a favorite curse word? Yeah, so I read that question before we jumped on, and I really had to think about it. I, I don't know if I have a favorite curse word, but to get kind of out there again, pendejo in Spanish means kind of stupid or ignorant. And yeah. <laughs> my friends and I always like to joke around in, like, Spanish curse words, so that would be my favorite. That is such a practical way of doing it, by the way. Like, it's, as a guy who has some young kids, I should really adopt a foreign language's curse words. Then you can't get in trouble. Exactly. Yeah. It'd, be so, it'd be so much better. Uh, <laughs> that's, that is too funny. Uh, how about favorite guilty pleasure? You got one? Favorite guilty pleasure? Well, I love to spend money kind of frivolous, frivolously on travel. And so for me, traveling internationally and sort of partying internationally is my guilty pleasure. Like I'll be pretty stingy you know, in the United States as far as travel and going out and kind of being tame here. But when I'm internationally, you know, money can flow on alcohol and fun and travel and all that kind of stuff. Oh, that sounds phenomenal. That sounds phenomenal. Now, I a um, couple more quick before we dive in. But I must admit, I'm pretty excited to ask you about some of these questions. But first off, first job. Give me your what was your first 
money-making job? My first money-making job, I worked at an ice cream store called Aloha Ice Cream in Hampton Beach okay. when I was between between the end of high school and my first year of college. Awesome. And so that was really my first job job. You know, I played sports in high school, and that pretty much consumed all of my time. And then, boom, off to college. I need to go make some money. Let me work at an ice cream store. And so my family had a beach house at Hampton Beach. Yep. And I knew I wanted to be up there for the whole summer. So I thought, let me go knock on some doors. And I think a family friend or something knew the guy that owned the ice cream shop at the end of our street. And yeah, that was my first job. Oh, that's awesome. Scoop and ice cream. Scoop and ice cream. Good recall on that. When someone shows up and you saw him yesterday, like you still want that maple walnut? <laughs> Keep it rolling for the tips. Yeah, it was oh. a lot of fun. I had a good time doing that. that that's pretty cool. Now, I, based on your... Um, what you do for a living, which I'll let you introduce uh, yourself because I don't want to butcher it too badly. But I'm really interested to know, um, only be, and I, the reason I'm so excited about it is also because I followed you on Book Thinkers, um, I think mainly Instagram, but also, you know, I don't know, from other stuff, I've, I've just kind of, um, I've been seeing a lot of the uh, outtakes with your interview with Grant Cardone and, and some of that kind of stuff. But I'm really interested to know your favorite quote. And I, it doesn't have to be your ultimate favorite, but maybe even a few you have, because I'm guessing you're a quote guy. Yeah, I have hundreds, and they're all ready to go. My favorite quote, <laughs> my favorite quote, uh, I have a tattoo on my wrist that says "Reality is negotiable," and that's mm-hmm. a quote from the book "The Four Hour Workweek" by Tim Ferriss. Yeah. And so it's very easy to look down and pick that as my favorite quote. And and to me, you know, coming out of college and understanding the the typical nine to five that a lot of people go through. You know, it took a lot of courage to break outside of that, to work remotely, like to be okay spending money on travel, to have fun, to build my company as a young person. And so that that was a very freeing quote for me. And I love just telling people reality can be whatever you want it to be. Mm. And so it's a constant reminder. I have it tattooed on my body, which is also a theme that I have. And probably another guilty pleasure is tattoos. But uh, (laughs) yeah, so that's my favorite quote. No, I dig it. I dig it. That's a good one. I, and you know what? I haven't read the Four Hour Work Week, although I'm a fan of uh, Tim's podcast and his newsletter. I get mm-hmm. um, so that's a good one. I'll, I'll have to check that one out. Actually, now you got me. You got my brain going. Um, yeah, it's a good one. How about daily routine wise? Like, yeah, that you do weird daily routine wise. Well, I am, I am all about routines. And so having read hundreds of these personal development books, I've sort of handpicked what I think to be the most optimal as far as let's just say a morning routine. And so I do a couple funky things like the second that I wake up, the second that I wake up, I get out of bed and I drink what's called a miracle morning cocktail that I make the night before. And so it's water and lemon and Himalayan sea salt because Mm -hmm. when you sleep, you get dehydrated. When yes. you wake up, you need the electrolytes and all the minerals and nutrients. And so seven days a week, I think for the last year, probably that's been like the first thing that I do. And uh, I, I think a lot of people would consider that weird. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm all about the quantified lifestyles as well. So I wear an aura sleep tracker yeah. and uh, I check my sleep statistics and things like that. And that's probably not par for the course as far as the average person these days. No, I'm with you. We uh, share some summarize. I'm on. The whoop, but same kind of thing, tracking the sleep and, and doing and doing that. Have you noticed any um, difference in integrating that into your lifestyle, that, that Miracle Morning Cocktail? And did you come up with that name yourself? 
<laughs> no, it, it was from a book called Own the Day, Own Your Life by Aubrey oh. Marcus. Yep. Yeah. Aubrey. And, uh, yeah, Aubrey's a cool dude. And yeah, I mean, you know, I, I feel good each and every day. I do as many things as humanly possible to sort of optimize my energy. And so when I wake up in the morning, I also take a couple of like cognitive supplements like magnesium and things like that. And so overall, I can work all day every day and I never lose my energy. And so that's yeah. one of the benefits of hydrating yourself really early in the morning. And then I also have this gallon water bottle jug that I carry around with me everywhere I go. And so I drink yeah. like one and a half to two gallons of water a day. Okay. Okay. Look at you. You're, you've got a dial, man. Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, so can you explain to the audience kind of what Book Thinkers is, what you're doing and the quest that you're on right now? Sure. So Book Thinkers is about four years old now, and it's really two things. It's a technology company and it's a social community. And so as far as the social community is concerned, we have around 90,000 uh, followers on our main Instagram page. And I talk all about the power of nonfiction books. Mm. In my life, there was a huge inflection point where I went from insecure and very anxious to secure and confident and sort of thriving in my life, happy and fulfilled. And the inflection point was a few books that I read. And so mm. I, I started by sharing that with the world on social media. And here we are a few years later. We have a piece of mobile technology that allows you to retain and implement more from the books you love. We have a podcast uh, that's that's gaining a lot of popularity where where I interview some pretty cool authors. And uh, yeah, that's where Book Thinkers is today. So our goal is really to help empower readers to achieve more and live better lives because we know these books can create behavior change, but that needs to be a deliberate intent of yours. You can't just read a book and, and it'll change your life automatically. Deliberate practice. Yeah. Do you, um, can you share with us what those books were, if you remember, that created that inflection point? Yeah. So I had taken an internship my senior year of college and I was very distracted in school. I was never a great student. I was skipping a lot of classes. I wasn't paying a lot of attention. And I think it's because I was bored. And mm -hmm. it's not, you know, the classes that I was choosing weren't challenging me at the time. And so a mentor of mine at that early sales, you know, internship that I took had recommended a couple of books. And he basically put it this way. He said, if you're bored because things are too slow in the classroom, how about condensing decades of information, decades of somebody's life experience into days and then absorbing that into your brain? And so the first book I ever read was Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert yeah. Kiyosaki. Yes. And then, you know, immediately I started to understand, like, I have a lot of anxiety around money and I shy away from the subject because I don't know anything about it. And now I know more about it. Now I'm less anxious. And I'm like, mm -hmm. what other areas of my life can I apply this, you know, amazing transformation to? And looking back in hindsight, I think it's a little bit of a clearer uh, definition than it was back then. But yeah, that was the first book I ever read. And then I read a couple bit, a couple more books about money. I read Money Master the Game by Tony Robbins. Mm -hmm. I read The Richest Man in Babylon by George S. Clayton. Um, I read the Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. Yeah, okay. those those were some of the earliest books that I read. And then all of a sudden, I started to understand, like, I can read about any subject in the world. That's mm -hmm. that's kind of where I took off. Did you find that that – obviously, you're mentioning those books that around that topic of money. But did you find the um, insecurity, the anxiousness you described, did you find it manifesting itself in other things beyond money at that point in time? And did just that quick – knowledge uploading, so to speak, 
for your brain, did that help give you confidence in other parts of your life immediately or was it just part of just the start of the journey? Yeah, no, it, def- it definitely gave me confidence in other areas of my life as well. I think there's something very magical about like sort of shining the light on an area of your life that, that you were hiding for so long and, and, you know, you were trying to avoid. And so I definitely became more social and more confident in other areas of my life as well. And so that internship that I was working in was, it's a sales based job, you know, and for five years I became a sales professional. So we could talk a little bit about sales books if you want at some point too. But yeah, I became more confident in my career. I became more confident socially with friends. I became more confident talking to girls at the bar, like everything got better. Oh, that's why that's awesome. That is awesome. That's a, uh, it's cool that book thinkers started with such an organic, um, impactful moment for you. Yeah, and then and you it, were like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna," and you were like, "I'm gonna just share this with the world." At that point in time, or well, uh, I, I because I was such an average student, I think I had something at the time sort of against uh, the tryhards. At least that's what I would call them back in the day, and. And so right out of school, you know, I was doing very well. I was making really good money. I was having fun. I was traveling a little bit. And so I was sharing sort of books as the catalyst for that change on my personal social media. And a lot of people were asking me about the different books that I was reading at the time. And so, you know, before book thinkers ever really came to fruition, like that was sort of the the transformational experience. And yeah, so I guess I guess that's what that was. <laughs> oh, that's, that's really cool. So just before we get there, I will ping you on the sales piece. So you started in sales as an intern back in the college days, but then once you graduated, you stayed with it. Yes, what yep, were you, I did. What were you selling? Can you talk us about? Did you just kind of do that because it was convenient, or did you truly want to kick the tires on a sales career? Well, okay. when I was yeah, when I was in college, I took a I took an internship previously, so my freshman and sophomore sophomore years with a company called Collegiate Entrepreneurs. And so that company helped you run a painting business, essentially oh, yeah. a house painting business. Yeah. yeah. And I had I was responsible for everything. I was responsible for learning about house painting. I was responsible for hiring and firing employees. I was responsible for project management on the job sites. I was also responsible for sales and marketing and then money and everything like that. And so I found through that experience what I liked and what I didn't like. What I actually liked was selling, and what I really didn't like was the project management piece. And so I was at a career fair at UNH, and I was with one of my friends walking around talking to different companies, and he went over to talk to this software company that was looking for programmers, and he was a programmer. And I sort of was sitting off to the side waiting and a gentleman walked up and just kind of struck up conversation with me and told him about my experience and why I wanted to get into sales. And he said to me, like, you know, long story short, I actually own that company over there. I was just coming to see sort of what my employees were doing, how they're interacting with people. And then he offered me a job as an intern on the spot. So I started working there after my junior year, all throughout my senior year. And I found that I really did enjoy sales. And sales kind of related to personal development, like you can you can implement these different tactics and strategies and immediately know whether or not it benefits you. And I found that really interesting. Like the the strategy piece made a lot of sense to me. And I came from a background where I had no uh, I had no public speaking skills or communication skills. I, I was very anxious and timid and I was not very well spoken back in the day. And so those were all areas for improvement. And you know, then in that experience, I started to learn more about the books towards the end of that first year, probably. 
And then, uh, yeah, right out of school, continued working in sales. So as a software company that sold, uh, that, that still sells transfer, uh, transportation management software okay. to trucking companies. And what also was really cool is even towards the end of my college experience, I started to assume more responsibility. And so I, I started to actually travel within the U.S. on business trips, sales trips with sort of my bosses at the time to different cities while I was still in school. So that was a really cool experience. And then right out of school, I just kept assuming more responsibility by raising my hand every time an opportunity popped up. And so I was able to accelerate sort of up the small corporate ladder in that company pretty yeah. fast. Yeah. That's really, that's really cool. So you don't like, I will admit when I was talking to you and you, were, and you just kind of um, glossed over your communication skills saying you honed them as you went, I would have guessed those were things that you honed earlier on because you are so well-spoken. And when I watch the Instagram videos or the podcast that you do, you can tell you your words are thoughtful and there's a, there's a level of articulation going on. None of that you get, you give um, attribution to earlier in life, working at the ice cream stand, talking to strangers. No, I was terrified back in the day. (laughs) Uh, All throughout my childhood and, and early life experiences, I was, very insecure and I was very introverted. You know, I didn't get any, any energy from the public. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I, I recognize that as an issue in myself, certainly in the beginning of college. And I actually took public speaking intentionally because I knew that I was so bad at it. And funny with that college painting job, the first, so we did a bunch of role playing sales scripts and things like that in preparation for door-to-door selling, which terrified me. But that's oh. one of the reasons I wanted to do it. And the, I memorized this whole script. And I remember I knocked on the first door with sort of my sales coach behind me. And I just said, like, hi, do you want an estimate? And they're like, who are you and for what? Like an estimate yeah. about what? And I forgot my whole script. And I was so embarrassed. I'm like, I'm quitting. It's day one. I'm not doing this. But I just, through repetition and practice, I was able to get better at it. And, I mean, I did – you know, I did a lot of funny things along the way to get better. At one point with my friends, we were going out to bars and stuff. I was still very bad at speaking <laughs> articulately. And so this was around 21 or 22. And if one of my friends caught a verbal pause, like like or um or so or but, I would have to drop down and do push-ups. And it didn't matter if we were at the bar. It didn't matter if we were in the street. It didn't matter if we were at a friend's house. I wanted to get rid of them. And so some of them have crept back in nowadays. But that, I mean, those were the lengths the lengths that I went through to get rid of sort of the bad speaking skills. Oh, and now I went to Toastmasters and everything else too. Yeah. Okay. No, that's so funny. I, um, I had a similar experience, but I got to say it was with my parents, my mm-hmm. parents, once I, when the like started like this and like that at the, at the dinner table growing up, um, my dad used to be like, was it like that? Or was it that mm-hmm. you know, all the time? And then it would be like the little, like, table slaps like you said it again you said it again kind of reminding you and then my friends would come over for dinner and they'd be like wow your parents are like tough and I was like no they just I asked them to try to help me get rid of that because I because I keep saying like and stuff so that's too funny I can't believe how many times in your stories in the last five minutes of talking you said I chose to do it because I was scared of doing it like where is that what where's that coming from because because I don't get it. I don't get the insecure kid who's going, you know what? I'm going to take public speaking because I think most people are like, I'm going to avoid that. So. Yeah, there, there are there are a few different experiences that I think contributed to that mindset. And okay. the one 
The one that sticks out and I think is the easiest to talk about is that growing up, uh, a Patriots linebacker named Mike Vrabel was one of my parents' neighbors. And I saw him on TV, you know, winning Super Bowls, but then I saw him hanging out with my dad drinking a beer. And so er, I think in that high school experience, I was very early high school, I sort of realized like this man who we see on TV is just like anybody else. He just made a couple decisions and continued to pursue his goal, which was the NFL, in a little bit of a different way than a lot of other people did. And he took a little bit more risk. He made some decisions like that. And that was an observation. And then I think there was a conversation. It's a little hazy, but I, and yeah. I don't want to overemphasize it. But there was a conversation one day where he basically told me, embrace discomfort intentionally. Every day, do something that makes you uncomfortable. And I actually wrote my college essay the title was My Millionaire Mentor or My Millionaire Neighbor or something like that. And it was all about that lesson. And even at that time, I was in such a bad place that all of these intentionally embracing discomfort experiences hadn't manifested themselves in results yet, but I was still trying. Mm. And so that, that was, a, that was one experience really early on. And then it actually in the four hour work week, Tim Ferriss talks about the power of running at your fears mm. and he calls it fear setting. And so like what lives on the other side of that fear and is it worth embracing the fear to get to that point? And ever since then, I mean, I get uncomfortable every single day. I take yeah. cold showers. I do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You're, so you're all in on that. Okay. That's all that in on that. A, uh, that's wild. Almost I, I'm in a um, I'm kind of gone down a rabbit hole recently of stoic philosophy. Me too. And, and I, and I think that like the op, when you said that, it's like the obstacle is the way. Yeah. It's like that that Ryan Holiday book. I just I read that and it's been a uh, it's been a deep thing. My mom came over the other day. She's like, "You have Marcus Aurelius meditations and like Seneca on the shortness of life on your desk." And she was like, "What is wrong with you?" And I was like, <laughs> "I don't know, mom. It's just gone. It's gone." Because once you start to get some of the um, once you start to realize some of the success in practicing something else, you're like, "Okay, well, I'm willing to try way more stuff." Mm-hmm. You know, it's especially to your point, I think a lot of the stuff you just talked about was delayed gratification. It like, is, yeah. Stuff isn't working right away, but you got to kind of still attack it daily, which is uncomfortable, even though you're not seeing the wins. Kind of relates back to that whole sales thing. Yeah, and it, yeah, sales is a great place where that represents itself. But just to touch base on what you mentioned, so I actually have Ryan Holiday on the podcast coming up next month, and that's oh. like one of my biggest wins. He's he's one of my favorite Congrats. authors. Congrats. <laughs> Thank you. you can and tell him I talked to another guy, and he ch- changed my life. Changed my life. Yeah, Ryan Holiday is fantastic, and I actually have Memento Mori tattooed on my chest. Yes. Yeah. Yes which is a stoic aphorism. I'm big into stoic philosophy and I read the daily stoic every day, but uh, yes, me too. yeah. And uh, you know, in, in sales, you realize that it, it's a, it's the little bit of extra effort that makes all the difference. So it's the extra phone call. It's the extra 10 minutes in the office. It's the extra systems improvement or audit on, on your templates or whatever the case is. And that doesn't manifest itself the same day that you take the action. It's, a re, you know, the results that you achieve later are because of what happened in the past. And so, I mean, I, I started to cement that and all of the embracing discomfort represents itself in sales, whether you're in person making a presentation or whether you've got to call a prospect that you're complete, you know, you might be unsure about how to handle their objection, but you still take a stab at it or whatever. Like I, I love 
how sales is all about that kind of stuff. And so for me, it was a really easy place to take a lesson from a book or a strategy, implement it, and then measure the difference. Mm-hmm. And I started to do that in my own life as well. And then, you know, The Compound Effect is one of my favorite books, and it talks about delayed gratification in a big way. Okay. No way, The Compound Effect. I'll have to check that out. I uh, When I knew I was having you on, I was like, I'm going to make sure I have a notebook handy because I'm sure <laughs> battle off some books. I've, um, I feel like you mentioned routine too at the beginning. Have you found, have you found, actually before we get into the routine thing, cause I wanted to ask you about book thinkers is nonfiction books and their practical application. Um, and hearing you say that I, I didn't, I like, like now if you talk to people around here, they're like, Oh, Mark loves books. But if you ask my parents or like my friends growing up in high school, I was not a kid who enjoyed like reading. And but I think listening to even hearing you talk about it, I think I really appreciate nonfiction books. I think it's the fiction ones that's like it's got to be a kick ass story that's super well written so the movie can play in my head. And if not, I struggle. So maybe did you find yourself in the same way? Did you enjoy fiction books as well? Or are you like I'm all in on nonfiction? When I was really young, I enjoyed fiction, and then I didn't read anything during high school or college. Yeah, I mean, okay. nothing. Yeah. And then when I found these, you know, when 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 my mentor, my early sales mentor, had re- recommended a couple of those books, like Rich Dad Poor Dad, I I was hesitant just because I really didn't like reading. I almost nowadays I say I almost had a stance against reading back in the day, yeah. but uh, I really do love it now, and I don't read much fiction. Like I read some spiritual fiction and, and stuff like that sometimes, but yeah, I'm all in on nonfiction at least for now. I'm not, I'm not excited by, by like the classic fiction that everybody talks about. Agreed, agreed. Although I will give a shout out. The only one that's really captured, captivated me has been historical fiction, like Ken Follett, Pillars of the Earth and the World Without End, like that. I think he because he transforms. Uh, he transformed your brain into a movie because he's such a good writer. But no, that that's so funny. I I'm the same way, man. I think for me it t- it took like either reading the quote or whatever it was that was like reading is like lifting weights for your brain. Yeah. And I was like, oh man. Like, and I'm I'm a pretty big uh, fitness enthusiast. Not really for the physical. Yeah, right. Not as much for the physical, but more just because of the mental clarity that it brings and the energy it brings to my day. And so every time I think of that quote, I'm like, oh, man, like I got to set some time aside for reading. Mm -hmm. um, What was the impetus? Like, where did you stop being like, I'm going to be a sales guy? And now where did you get the the intestinal fortitude to be like, I'm doing I'm going out on my own and doing this thing? Well, uh, book thinkers has has been a side hustle for a long time, but it but it's more recently that it's growing so fast, you know, and, and now I work with Ryan. Yeah. Uh, so Ryan's part of my team and Ryan came on about a year ago. And so for the last year, we've really been working to make book thinkers, uh, you know, a lot bigger. And so now we have a network of four or five subcontractors that work with us on a daily basis and varying responsibilities. And I just, you know, I didn't set out saying I want to be an entrepreneur. I I didn't say I want I don't I don't want a boss or I want ultimate freedom. Like I had that in my full time job as well. I was my own boss. Like I ran a little sales team and I got to travel while working and everything. But it's more that these books kind of make me happy and fulfilled in a way that that didn't. And 
I also really like there's a there's a quote and I don't know where it really came from, but it says like you don't you can jump off the cliff and build your parachute on the way down. And like there's some comfort in that. You don't have to have it all figured out. Like as long as you can support yourself financially and wake up in the morning without stress in your bones about money, like go do what you love. And by the way, I didn't love reading until I started reading consistently. Like my passion came from consistency. It didn't exist before I started reading, which is a misconception that a lot of people don't, you know, it's something that they get wrong. I think a lot because today we talk about start with why and align an existing passion, like with your work. And that's not the case for everybody. Oh, you just made me think of when people, I I'm an avid golfer. Like I love golf. And some people are like, Oh my God, I don't know how you play golf. And I'm like, have you ever played? And they're like, no. I'm like, well then you don't get it. Like, (laughs) it's like the same thing with reading, right? Until you get the, uh, fulfillment, dopamine hit, whatever happens that makes you want to do it again and then rinse and repeat. It's hard to, uh, it's hard to build on that. That's so funny. So you don't, do you, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Do you have like a vision of what you hope book figures will become or is your, like, are you still building your parachute? Still building it, I think. Cool. I mean, the mobile application that we put out is a really cool tool for readers uh, that, that'll help them achieve more and live better, which is our overarching mission. And so is the podcast and so is the social media, you know, and it is monetized in a pretty cool way. But I think we're always evolving and growing. And so my guess is that 5, 10, 15 years from now, uh, you know, it would be very difficult for me to predict to predict where it would be. Uh, I'd just be making fake guesses. So yeah, yeah. it's, you know, the, the happiness for me is in the process. Yeah. Like day to day, I'm happy. It's not outcome based goals. It's just, it's identity based goals. Like I'm a reader. I'm somebody who likes to help other people, uh, find the right book and then change their life. And like, that's my process. And as long as I'm providing value, then I'll get compensated for that. And you know, I think the, the sort of end goal, the romantic thing for me is to sell the business and sort of retire in a foreign country in my, I don't know, thirties or late twenties and, and just go have fun and experience the world because traveling is my guilty pleasure and tattoos. But, uh, okay. yeah, for now it's just, it's just keep growing and keep networking. Like this network of authors is amazing because they're all business owners at the same time. Mm. Yeah. Oh, very interesting. Do you find as you've been doing it now, do you find that maybe the way, um, let's say, the American school systems are built or the way that our, our uh, social constructs have evolved, that you're kind of doing it in the opposite manner? Like, should oh, you yeah. have a roadmap to, uh, to sell your business and those kind of things? And, do you, and I, so I started this podcast because I felt like once I got to where I'm in my career, it was like, wow, that wasn't linear. It wasn't planned. I never wanted to be in staffing, but it, it fell into my lap and then I was able to monetize my skills in a way. And then I was like, oh man, I really like doing this every day. Like this is cool, right? And so I wanted to start the podcast, this podcast to help recent college grads, high school grads, people trying to make career moves just to inspire them to be like, you know, just think of, have self-awareness about what you like to do and what you're good at, but try things. And so, um, I feel like your story is one where it's a lot of things that are like, you know, I don't want to say going against the grain, but certainly paving your own way and not doing things the way that the the template is built, if you will. 
Yeah, I don't I don't love the template. I don't love the the US education system and I also don't like the box that everybody tries to put you into. And part of the anxiety and everything that I felt as a younger kid was just external pressure. You know, yeah. it's you need to look this way, act this way, play on the field this way, you know, your grades need to look like this. And that's that's not just a result of your parents or anything. That's a result of this entire country. Right. And it's the best country in the world, but at the same time, things like the education system are meant to be broken, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't, I love to do things in an unconventional way, and that's why I have that tattoo, reality is negotiable, because, you know, I want to be traveling internationally in my 20s and having fun. I want to be a business owner. Like, mm. I want to be reading books and, you know, and, and helping other people find the right book that unlocks their potential instead of getting into college debt. Yeah. Uh, and so for me, yeah, I love, and, by the way, when when you you're told as a business owner to have a roadmap and to game plan everything, but then when you read the stories of all the people that really made it, like the icons of industry, none of them had no, any of no that idea. kind of stuff. No idea. Yeah. And so it's funny. Oh, go ahead. I, I was gonna say like in in hindsight, right? Like I could tell people don't go to college, but for me, going to college is the reason I am where I am today. I could tell people you know, read books when you're 15. And I probably would tell my 15 year old self that, but I didn't. So I probably wouldn't be where I am today. Right. I could tell people like all of these things that I think, you know, have a roadmap because if I had one, I would have avoided a couple of these disasters, but I didn't have a roadmap. And so therefore, like if I had one, I'd probably be in a less successful place potentially. Like, I don't know. And so I think when, when people write these books and they say, you know, have a game plan, but they didn't, that's just because in hindsight, it would have looked better if they had one, but they didn't. Yeah. So it's easier to recommend it to other people. But it's like your failure is where you grow the most. And yeah. so the growth wouldn't have happened if they didn't fail. And yeah. I find that really counterintuitive. Well, it's um, I find that the, the truths of life tend to be completely uh, paradoxical in that in that regard. So I think it's a. Uh, not to get into yeah. a deep philosophical discussion, but I, I honestly think you hit the nail on the head. We were in an executive retreat um, at our company. I guess it was this, yeah, it was this summer. When we were talking about roadmaps, and I got asked by a few people, they were like, "So, what's your vision?" And I was like, honestly, and I remember how I answered it because I remember like di digesting it later, being like, "Wow, that was like one of the clearest things I've ever said." And I was like, "I honestly, I don't have one, but I've never felt closer to it coming together." Just because there was so, I needed all of the practical experience of failing and figuring out along the way to see what would work to actually come up with a level of a plan. And I remember sitting there, like, at, or waking up the next morning, whatever, reflecting on it, being like, "Man, like, the honesty involved in that answer was was uh, so critical." But I was so pumped. I had other people around me that were like, "Cool, that's cool. Like, let us know when you get there. We'll keep supporting you." But which is probably very odd for the business world. Yeah. Like, usually they'd be like, "You don't have a vision." And we're investing in this? Like, what are we doing? So it's a, um, I feel the same way. I wish I read the 5 a.m. club when I was 16 years old, but when the student is ready, the teacher will appear, right? Like, I don't know yeah. if I would have, I don't think I would have subscribed to waking up at 4.40 a.m. That would have been insane at that yeah. point. So it's, it's a, uh, it's harder to tell your younger self things and think mm -hmm. that you have to stick. Sure. Yeah, well, we're cut from the same cloth in that respect. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Um, do you feel like there were, like, as you mentioned, you didn't have to go to college, but did you feel like there were some bigger moments along the way of in your formal education that's helped you now 
as someone who's running their own business? Probably, you know, and I might not give them enough credit. I, I think when I look at attending UNH from a high level, like the most important takeaway was my social skills. You know, that's where I started to blossom. That's where I started to refine things. And when I was at school, I took an internship that I found at UNH to run the painting businesses. I went to the UNH career fair to get my first job in sales. And so like, you know, those, those moments weren't academic, but they were very, very important in my journey and they'll always be important in my journey. You know what I mean? And I would have, those books wouldn't have been recommended to me if I didn't take that job in sales. But then from an academic perspective, I'll say the public speaking classes that I decided to take my senior year totally changed my life. And then I think I also, you know, I also started, I definitely, so my degrees in marketing, business administration with a focus in marketing. And then my minor is actually in public speaking and technical writing. And so those skills manifest themselves daily in what I do. You know, I'm all about marketing and branding, but uh, there weren't any like big aha moments that I can recall. That's really great. I, um, I feel, I feel, I only ask you because I'm interested in people's perspective and I feel very similar. Like for me, my college experience was social and networking. Yeah. Uh, But I all, I often, I was fortunate enough. I went to Severian growing up. And that place was like uh, as close as you could get as military school without being military school. Like it was just like regiment and discipline. And I'm so fond of that. Like the, when I look back at that now as a, I'm 34 or whatever, I'll be 35 this year. I'm like, thank God I had that level of like discipline in every day. So sure. uh, I'm just kind of interested in how people, how people view their past along the way. Certainly people who are feeling the success as they go. I'm always interested to know where they derive some of that confidence from and is you know i you're you certainly mentioned a number of books but it's like as a i guess part of me is like that can't be all books like there's certainly got to be people in nick's life that help shape the way he went you know yeah that it's funny that that question who's your favorite teacher growing up like i don't even recall any because during that time in my life you know i think my teachers were my parents and i think like family friends and stuff much more than it was academically but that's cuz i was spending so much time kind of in my own head in school and not focusing on the school itself uh but yeah i think all of those little micro experiences that probably happened i mean i have more horror stories i think than like positive huge experiences <laughs> but like all of those are are teaching moments too like, I'll never forget. There was a time when I was in Spanish class. I think I was a, I might have been a freshman or a sophomore in high school and we had to memorize a little skit and get up in front of the class. And that alone in English was terrifying enough, but in Spanish was even more difficult because I wasn't a great student and I had no learning technique or anything back in the day. And so I remember I was supposed to be eating a bowl of popcorn while I was, while I was going through this presentation with somebody else. And I was so nervous. I dropped to the bowl of popcorn in front of the class and it was like most terrifying experience of my life. And there's another time in high school where we had to memorize that to be or not to be Shakespeare speech yeah, and I right. totally forgot it right in front of the whole class. I was like the only kid that didn't get through it. And so like those moments really stick out for me, but I'm so grateful for them at the same time. Oh, a hundred percent. Do you find now as an adult that even stuff you did like last year, or two years ago, you're embarrassed by? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I only ask because <laughs> I feel that all the time. And I don't know what that, is it a Marcus Aurelius quote? That's like, if you're not, if you God, something about if you can't judge your prior self, you're not growing or something. something it might like, be, yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, Sounds I like it would that, be stoic. I think I got it from the Daily Stoic in the last 60 days or something, but um, that's that's wild. So as a guy who reads a lot of books, clearly, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. By the way, do you have like metrics that you're trying to get through? Or are you just like trying to read like a book a week? Like, how does that work as a guy who kind of has to keep increasing his library? Yeah. So well, nowadays I'm on I'm on publishers lists and stuff, so I just okay. get books shipped to me that I don't even order, but. So I can't read everything that I get sent, but I do. uh, So my goal walking into this year, last year I read 70 something books. My goal walking into this year was to be a little bit more intentional. So I said, I want to read 60. 30 of them are going to be books I've already read, the the 20% that have had the biggest impact on my life. And so those are going to be 30 books that I was rereading. And then 30 new books, but I'm, I'm ahead of the goal. I'm, I'm 49 books in so far this year. So definitely above one a week. I'll probably end up like 75 or something like that again. Yeah. Yeah, But I track everything. I was going to say, that was what I was going to get to next. What, like as a guy who reads a lot of books, because so I downloaded the app book thinkers and I, I love the concept of it. I must admit in full disclosure I haven't like dove in and used it to its nearly its full potential yet. When you're reading a book, like how are you taking notes as you go? Are you reading with a pen next, you know, in your pocket? Like how are you going through that so that you can kind of suck up what you, what you're learning? Yeah, when I go through a book the first time, uh, I definitely circle page numbers and then sort of bracket off or highlight or write in the margins. Like I tear up books. And then when I finish the book, I go back and I look for up to my top 10 takeaways. Because Uh I think sometimes we overwhelm ourselves if we're trying to implement 900 different things from a book. Like it's much better to look for, okay, out of everything that I loved – sort of go back to the 80-20 principle. What are the 20% of my takeaways that are going to lead to 80% of the result or life change or skill enhancement or whatever you're trying to get from that book? And so then I put those into the Book Thinkers application. And then what you can do in the Book Thinkers app, and this is what I was doing manually before, is you set systematic reminders. And so you only remember what you think about. You only put into action what you're thinking about. And so the app tells you when to review your book notes. And the more often you review them, you're flexing those neural pathways and you're strengthening your relationship to that information. And so that's what I do is I go through the book. I write down everything that I find interesting. Then I consolidate into just the major takeaways. And then I review those systematically. And I have an accountability tracker. So each day I measure a certain number of activities. Uh, with a group of friends, we each have our own tab on this spreadsheet. And with things that I really want to implement, tangible life changes, maybe a change to a routine or something I want to try out, I put it into the activity tracker so I know, okay, I need to hit this this week at some point. Mm. And then I can measure whether or not I hit it and then talk with my – and then we meet up once a week to talk about the week. Uh, I can talk about, okay, did it have the impact that I thought it was going to? If yes, I'll put it in there. If no, I'll take it out. And mm. – uh so that's how I go about implementing the big things that I read about too. That's really cool. What's um may I ask something that you've recently read that you're trying to implement into your accountability tracker? Yeah, absolutely. Here I'll pull it up. We'll look at what's new. I'm a I'm a big fan of this uh next you ever see these next level journals you can get on Amazon? It's I've like, seen them, yeah. Yeah, what you're grateful for, your daily affirmation, your plan for the day. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have like the it does have a place where you can do the spreadsheet style. I think it's probably, I just like hearing you say you do it with peers. I'm already like, oh, I got to do that because I need some more. 
accountability. Yeah, we'll go into that in a second. I'll give you an example. So I read two weeks ago, I read The Mastery of Self by Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. because I was having him on the show. And something that really stuck out to me in that book is that when you go throughout your week, if anything gets you off balance emotionally, you should journal about it and then go back and look at it and realize, like, why did that get you off balance? Because if you can resolve whatever caused that issue to happen in the first place, you're sort of becoming a better version of yourself, right? You're fixing the holes and the gaps. You're becoming bulletproof is the way that I would say it. Yeah. And so for me is journaling like on the activity tracker each time that I know I'm emotionally unstable and like what caused that. So I can go and review it and think about it because that's what he encourages you to do in the book is to like pause and reflect on that. Mm. And so that's an example of something that I would do. And I have all my routines in here. I have all my activity goals for book thinkers. Uh, and so it's all measurable because if you're not measuring something, it's hard to manage improvement, right? Right. It's not even, I mean, you're kind of going through the motions, if you will. Yeah. Um, wow, that's really, that's really cool. So what, what, what one are you working on? Give me, give me one. One thing that makes me emotionally unstable. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be shit. No, what's one thing that, like, I, the journaling thing, have you been trying that the last two weeks? Yes, yes. Okay, cool. So that's an example that I just yeah. sort of read out of there. So that, that experience of like identifying what makes me uncomfortable and sort of writing about it, that's something that I'm, I'm measuring right now. Are you stopping? In the moment at that point, David, you realize it and journaling, journaling about it, or do you have a set time that you're kind of uh, working all, working through all of that? Sort of both. It, you know, okay. if something, if something catches me in the moment in a conversation where I can't really pull away and journal, then I'll write about it after. But, right. but uh, kind of in the moment because I work remotely and I'm behind a computer most of the time. Right. You got yeah. the ability. You have the ability to do so. Do you? Um, have you found yourself changing? Uh, the type of books you read or um, the knowledge you seek based on the fact that you're kind of uh, that your business is scaling, so to speak, like yes. are you more business oriented books that way? Yeah, fit, I would say 50% of the books that I read are for the podcast that I have, like reading yeah. the books in preparation for the guests coming on. And then the other half are business related books. So an oh. example would be, I read Blitzscaling by Reed Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn recently, because yes. Bookthinkers is scaling. And so I want to understand scaling better. And so that's a really, you know, a really concrete example of reading for the business mm-hmm. and reading a book that's very relevant. And I'm actually trying to book podcast guests that also overlap with ah. the business needs so I can yes. kind of double them up because there's only so much time in the day. Oh, you know what well, I mean? If there's one, I have you ever read any of Patrick Lencioni's books? Yes. I read the five dysfunctions of a team. I feel yeah. like that. I always, uh, I always joke that I, I have my Patrick Lencioni MBA because I feel like <laughs> for me, that was like the easiest way to learn business concepts was a quick parable. Um, I'm, I'm, so I'm a huge fan of everything uh, he's written. That's why. That's why I thought I'd bring it up. But uh, do you I'd, I'd ask you, like, uh, maybe as we're kind of wrapping this up, do you have suggestions on, like, books for folks that are in either career transition or maybe, um, again, that high school grad, college grad, someone trying to get their foot in the door at a company that they can kind of work on while they're doing their thing? Mm hmm. 
Well, some of the some of the early books that I read, I think, are very important in that transition period. Like when I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, as an example, which is a book I recommend to everybody. For me, what that book represents is not how to invest in real estate, but how to take a model that somebody else has described and implemented into your life. And so I look at that was the first tool that I put in my tool belt. Right. Like you're talking about the Lencioni. Like I I look at all these authors and I can understand the models that they apply to the world and their decision making. And I can run decisions in my life through their heads almost, right? So if I need to take out my Steve Jobs brain and run a decision through Steve Jobs' brain, like I can do that. And so reading that book helped unlock that for me. And therefore, I would love for everybody to read that book. But um, in that transition period, also the the four-hour work week, and I know I'm bringing up a couple books that I've already talked about, but that book talks a lot about how to – automate, delegate, and eliminate low-impact activity in an existing role. So if you're trying to change jobs, like maybe identify, okay, what is the stuff that excites you? What is the high-impact activity that you enjoy doing that actually leads to results and find a position that's going to be a good fit for that? Uh, and then in personal development in general, like find a job that, that you can use to grow specific skills that you want to use maybe yes. in that later career or later life that you desire. Mm. Um But yeah, I mean, I have such an infinite number of recommendations. Like The Five Dysfunctions of a Team was a really good book. Uh, You brought up Patrick Lencioni. um, I'm a huge fan of that one. I mean, all of the whole, um, I love Death by Meeting. mm -hmm. I haven't read it. Well, I'm responsible for conducting, hosting, and attending. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It was just the way in which you should do it and the formats. And you know what? Honestly, it was a model. Mm-hmm. To your point, I, I think that's my favorite part about reading a lot of those style books is the modeling that comes mm-hmm. out. Like, I can't remember every piece of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is kind of pathetic because I read it uh, earlier in quarantine, let's say March, hence why mm-hmm. I your book thinkers out more. Um, but, like, I can I can see the model of, like, the flow of cash, mm-hmm. as opposed, like, in the Rich Dad example versus the Poor Dad and how I yeah. need it as a tool. So it's like I think those things really uh, – that what you said resonated in the other thing, like the personal development. I, I really, I must admit the last five years I've read more books than I've read the previous, the, the first five of my career being 10 years in. And I really went hard and heavy down the personal development. And I don't know why, honestly, more, I think, because I enjoyed them more than anything. I'm like, I'm a huge fan of Jocko Willink and the discipline equals freedom, yeah, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I, and I found I got so much better at my job and I didn't like, I, that wasn't the reason I read them, but the but the transformation that happened. So I, I'm uh, when I talk to like recent um, college grads or people that are seeking information, I'm like, dude, dude, learn self discipline and and get better at things all the time. And if you can do those couple things, you'll find your way almost naturally. Yeah, I agree. That's why like a, a career specific book is so tough, but like those, those life skill books, I think are almost so much more relevant. I will give you one that I read this year though, that, that I think every college student should read coming out of school. If you've never worked in an office before, it's called, it has a funny title. It's called Flip Flops and Microwaved Fish by Peter Yowitz. And cool. it's all about how to navigate the workplace and about workplace culture and etiquette and, and sort of, how to write an email and like very basic things, but it's almost like everybody needs those skills and you will learn them maybe the hard way once mm-hmm. you enter a workplace. But if you're in an office every day, it's like such a fantastic book. 
Yes. Oh, I mean, the my I was laughing because the microwave fish piece. I like this. Yeah. Like, I was like, now I get it, and I'm wearing flip flops <laughs> in an office. Um, yeah, dude. I, you know what I love? I must say, I while I downloaded your app, I was reading the book uh, Why Talent Is Overrated. Have you read that book by any chance? I haven't, but I completely agree that talent is overrated. Yeah. It's, so it's basically, but the coolest thing about it is it's what you said. It's about like practicing things deliberately and your whole reminder setup that you had you were running manually before bookmakers um and i so i kind of had this whole thing where like Mannion told me what he was doing and i'm gonna have Mannion on the podcast once he's down in texas because i want to hear about that whole journey and how that's going to him and you guys should just come on together and we could do this once in a while but like i found when i was reading that and then i downloaded your app i was like this is wild it's like you you literally are taking these things and putting them into practice so i would say uh if you're not reading, read. And once you start reading, don't just read to read. Read with the deliberate intent of uh, of getting better. And when you hate the book, throw it away. Like, like if it doesn't resonate with you, move on. There's plenty of stuff that you'll find that will. It's, it's kind of what I tell a lot of people, too. Totally agree. And and you can almost relate that to running towards your fears. Like if yeah. you've never read a good book before, sort of identify the weaknesses in your life and what causes you anxiety and then read books that, that offer solutions and then implement them. It's like cover up your weaknesses, you know, and I, I'm all about doubling down on your strengths too, but like you yeah. can you can cover up some pretty obvious weaknesses and anxieties and insecurities in your life with a good book. Like that can actually happen, <laughs> which blows your mind at first. Pretty and pretty quickly. Yeah, pretty, pretty quickly. quickly. Yeah. Nick, I um, I'm pumped for you, man. It's been co- I, honestly a little surreal having you on the podcast, just because I've been watching your Instagram page grow for I think about a year and a half when Manion told me to to give it a follow, and uh, I'm really pumped for you to coming on, and I'm excited to kind of continue to watch your journey and start uh, interviewing more and more of the of the uh, elite people in industry, so to speak. So uh, love to have you back and hear what you've learned in the future along the way. But uh, thanks again for coming on, man. Yeah, Mark, really appreciate it. I had a good time. Like I said before, I know the two of us are, are sort of cut from the same cloth and we view things the same way. So it was oh, good talking with you. Yeah, no, really appreciate it. Good luck. I know you're going to be moving soon. Good luck with your move. And uh, when you're settled, if you ever need anything, don't hesitate to reach out. Yeah, awesome. All right, take care.